You forget that sound is actually so much more important than than what's visual. Especially in our movie. Yeah. It's really true. The sound is more important. And so, you know, there's some cool gurgles and blood stuff and the bone crunch. And it's like this if you mute it, you'll have a different experience watching it. But when you listen to it, it's like this is beastly. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, a woman discovers the house she has rented is not what it seems in director Zach Kreger's thriller, Barbarian. The film tells the story of Tess, a young woman who arrives at her Airbnb late at night, only to find that her rental has been mistakenly double-booked and a strange man is already staying there. Against her better judgment, she decides to stay the night, but soon discovers that there is much more to be afraid of in the house than the other guest. In addition to Barbarian, Mr. Kreger's directorial credits include the feature films Miss March and The Civil War on Drugs, and episodes of Newsboys, The Gang Self Sucks, and The Whitest Kids You Know. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Kreger spoke with director David F. Sandberg about filming Barbarian. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hey, guys. That was an awesome movie, wasn't it? Oh. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like I told you, I love this movie. I've been hearing so much about it, and it still didn't disappoint. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Now, you're known for comedy. So how did this happen? I wouldn't say known, but I've tried. (laughs) Um... I, 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 yeah, I, I, there's not a, a good answer to that question. I didn't think, oh, I've got to pivot my career. You know, I just, I like horror. I write. Uh, I was writing in my garage and I just was, uh, just, I wasn't trying to write a movie. You know, I was just trying to, to write a, a scene that was fun for me late at night. You know, I, when I write in my garage, I turn these like colored lights on, you know, so it's like very red in there. And I put on this like, you know, super sinister music, which is like used when she walks down the hallway. Like that is what I was listening to when I was writing that, that song that just ended in the credits. What um, is that from? It's, it's this British woman named A001 who I, I don't, I think she has like, she had under a hundred listens on Spotify. I don't know how I found her, but I just fell in love with that song. So I'd listen to it a lot. Anyway, yeah, so I was just I was just kind of I was writing this I I've I've said a couple of times lately that I, I in the same way a little kid colors with crayons was kind of like the the spirit that I I wrote this in. It was just for me. I didn't want to show anyone. I was certainly wasn't going to like send it out to anybody. I just wanted to write um for the joy of writing. And so uh in that spirit I I didn't feel like I had any any kind of limitation. So, um yeah. It is a very surprisingly like you have no idea where things are going which is which i love about it thank you but and i I think i saw somewhere that you wrote it in a way that you wanted to surprise yourself or something like that so the how how did you just like start from the beginning like i didn't didn't outline i didn't think uh i i really tried to do the david lynch catching the big fish sort of uh of a thing so i would meditate um and that would help uh, you know, and, and Stephen King has a, you know, he has an analogy where he's like, you know, you're, you're an archaeologist. You're, you're unearthing a dinosaur and you bone by bone, one at a time, and you don't know what the dinosaur is going to be. So you're just following, 
you know, the story tells you. And so I just, I, I kind of tried to be that. So, so, you know, when the mother appears in the basement, uh, I didn't know she existed until that moment. I thought I was writing the movie that you probably thought you were watching where, you know, this guy's going to do something at some point. I didn't know what it was going to be. And then I got down under the house and I was like, it's time for him to do whatever he's going to do. Ah, and then I, I was bored. I, I realized I was like, there's nothing I can have him do that people won't be ready for. And I was like, I quit. This sucks. Giant naked lady comes out, smashes him to pieces. And I was like, well, now I like it. Now that's pretty cool. But it's over. And then I, I, and then I just kept going. I was like, what would be the weirdest thing to go to now? Okay, the beach. All right, cool. So I'll just, I'll start this. And then I don't, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to like mythologize for myself, like how many thought process. The, the truth is there really was no thought process, which is like the, the best, which I, I, I'm proud of that. And then when I'm done, you know, obviously I do go back and I, and I tweak and I polish and I, things go out, things come in. So it's, it's not like it's all just like, oh, I'm such an impulsive genius. I mean, I worked very hard at it. But that initial structure uh, and most of it is, is from just, just fun and just not thinking. And, um, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I love the structure in that a lot of horror movies, you know, once they stumble upon the horror or they actually meet it, you know, Things are over pretty quickly, so a lot of horror movies, they get kind of stretched out in the beginning, and then, you know, it's the big 10 minutes at the end or something. But here, it's kind of restarted in a way. Like, just when you, like, get a glimpse of what they're dealing with, yeah, yeah you go to Justin Long's character, and then you kind of restart it again with the flashback. So you yeah. sort of kept it all up, which was awesome. Thank you. So when it came to shooting the movie, like, are you a big prepare, like, storyboards and all of that? Or like, yeah. what's, what's your process? Yeah, big prepare guy. So my DP and Isaac Cooperstein, who I think did a great job, you know, we would go to the location uh, weeks in advance and we, you know, we photo boarded uh, everything. So, you know, you so, it's best to do it with some stand-ins. I learned that very early is like, if you're just doing it with you and the DP, it's hard because it's like, take a photo, then you got to look at it and then take another one. And so, yeah. Uh, but I, I can't remember the apps. So you have apps so you can pick the lens. You can, you can really get into like it. Like Artemis. So, yeah, Artemis. Yeah. Thank you. And there's no pressure that way. You know, there's no one sitting around tapping their watch and no one's thinking like, you're dumb. You can just say, say whatever you want. Now, I, part of this also, I should say, is like, you know, it took me years to get anyone to be interested in this script. So for about two years, I watched this movie every night in my head as I fell asleep. So I had a lot of like very, very fixed ideas of where the camera was going to be. But um, the beauty of working in a collaborative medium is that you get everybody's good ideas and then you can feel smart when you say yes to them. So, so Zach had a lot of great ideas that were better than what I had. So we, we really did have a wonderful collaboration of just trying to think of the, the simplest and yet most exciting way to film everything. And so the, the benefit of that is then, you know, when we showed up on set, we had these, these, these big, uh, poster boards and we put you know the stills of everything we shot up on the board and if anybody didn't know what we were going to shoot that day they could just go look at it and we knew the lens and all I really had to do was worry about you know make sure the lighting looked good and the, the set looked good and then I talked to the actors and now I should also say you have to be prepared to throw all of that out when an actor has an idea and that's fine you know that's good uh, so if you're married to that you're, you're, you're not doing yourself or anybody any favors but it's wonderful to have this like starting blueprint um, and I'd say about 90% of this, maybe more, you know, we, we honored that blueprint. Like people, you know, I could, I could kind of, uh, manipulate the actors into thinking that the blocking that I had, uh, you know, <laughs> that was, their idea. was their idea or that it was, you know, so you gotta be kind of 
crafty sometimes. How much time did you have to like? If, if you photo board the whole thing, pretty much. Then? Yeah, we well, everything. Yeah. Like, uh, did you have a few weeks before you started shooting? Just yeah, I think or? I think we had like five and a half weeks of prep. Or JD and Raf, are you here? Did we have five and a half weeks in Bulgaria before? Was it five and a half? Five weeks. Okay. That's awesome. It sounds so efficient. <laughs> I mean, I come from sketch comedy, so I come from shooting like for free. You know, uh, so to me, having any amount of prep is insane. So five and a half weeks is like, oh my god, it's glorious. You know, so I, I don't care. Did you have time before with the actors as well? To no, no, no? we had no rehearsal time um, whatsoever. I so 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 Bill and George came. You know, they were there first. So we did we did a read through in the conference room of the hotel we were staying at. We did one read through, and then we did a, and then we did another read through for like on Zoom for the studio. For just their scenes, you know, there's no, you can't do anything with Justin because he wasn't there yet. And so we did that, that. So we read it twice sitting in a hotel room and then we showed up on set and started shooting. So yeah, one, I hope one day I get to do a, another movie period, but I hope that if I do do another movie that I'll be able to, to do some, some rehearsal, but I, I, not to say I'm not happy with the performance. I'm very happy. Yeah, I mean, some actors don't even like it. Like, I've had a little bit of rehearsal with actors who are pretty much like, oh, yeah, 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 I walk over here and then that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They, they don't really want to, I don't know if they want to keep it fresh or something. It was an interesting thing. You do have to kind of sniff out how different actors operate and you have to be ready to adapt to their specific needs. I, I, I have the benefit of, you know, I've been a professional actor for 15 years, so I, I've, I've definitely... I'm very tuned in to what an actor wants. And, and so I learned, for example, you know, Georgina is fantastic take one and two. She comes immediately with her best. Bill gets good around take seven. Um, and, and that's so you can't have them loose. both that's in the same usually, shot. You so, have to so, okay, so what did I learn day one? Shoot George first. Let her like burn her fire right away. While that's going on, Bill's getting in the groove. And then by the time I turn around to him, I got about two takes to let him really find it. And then boom, we're, we're cooking with gas. And that's not a slight on Bill. That's just everyone has a different process. I think that's a wonderful thing. I think he did a phenomenal job. He just, that's, he wants to find it, you know, as the camera's rolling. And that's, that's just the way he works. And, and far be it for me to try and force them into what I want to do. So, um, yeah, once once you kind of get that, uh, it, it, it's different forever. Justin, for example, is is he's he's gonna work his ass off from beginning to end, and he's gonna give you something different every take, and and it's just a joy to just like pick f- from your diamonds in the edit. Justin's so great in this movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like he's he's miraculously great to work with. Yeah, your DP Zach, I really loved uh, a lot of stuff that um, you did with this, and I especially love that it felt like it was real, just flashlights. You know, it wasn't the it was. horror thing where it's just like, yeah. oh, blue light. And like, well, what do you even need a flashlight for? Yeah. You see the whole environment. Yeah. So it was just flashlight. Baby. Sure. So we shot on a Sony Venice, which is an excellent low light camera. I was very inspired by Drew Daniels, who's the DP who shot uh, It Comes at Night. And I thought that that movie really was like bold in that it black was black. What the flashlight didn't pick up, you couldn't see. And I was like, that's it. And it looks terrifying. And so I, I loved that. And uh, so that was kind of our North Star. We, you know, I made sure that Zach had, you know, kind of studied some of those night sequences, and and it was great. Yeah, I, I love the shot when Justin Long's like outside Frank's door, and we see the mother sort of come mm, well, out David of the Lynch, darkness right? and yeah. just recede back. David Lynch has a quote where he says, "There's nothing more beautiful than a body emerging and receding into pitch black." Uh, I, it's a that's that's a paraphrase, but um, I agree with him. 
And that was the shot I was the most excited about before I even went to Bulgaria. I was like, I can't wait to shoot that that scene. And uh, super effective. Yeah, I love it. I love that. Uh, I read something like that the uh, the ending on top of the silo was shot like in a studio and it was just that, that it was black cloth so, with holes in it. So Zach is a genius and he, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do. We couldn't shoot up there. It's just not safe. It's very high. It was very scary up there. I like, I, you know, here's, here's funny. So Werner Herzog would hate me um, for storyboarding, but also, he, you know, he's like, has this like, you know, the director has to be the leader. You have to charge into the danger. And I like the first time I tried to walk up that staircase, I like couldn't do it. I didn't know that I was uh, afraid of heights, but I learned, I learned it on my first time up and I like went back down and I was like, fuck. And then Zach and the AD are up there like scouting. And I was like, I can't ask an actor to go up here if I can't go up here. So I got to just fucking like, I got to go up. So I just had to like shut my brain off and just like make my feet walk up to the, it was mortifying up there. Anyway, whatever. What am I, what am I talking about? The, okay. The so anyway, <laughs> so we couldn't shoot up there. We couldn't do our big denouement on top of the water tower. So what we did is we built a replica of it on a soundstage and we wrapped curtains like around this big black wrap duvetine i don't know what it was thick black fabric around so it was gigantic you know it was, it was probably about the size of like from that wall to that wall in a big semicircle and then we just punched holes for this for the city skyline and we learned you know the horizon is always at eye level so we figured out where the camera would be and then we had the we had the curtains on a riser so we could adjust them so if the camera's low we could bring it down to eye level if it was up so we had to always be able to move it vertically and then the beauty part was the the depth of field of the camera made the the twinkling little pinpricks that we made look like a cityscape. And it's all practical. It's all it's there's no there's nothing special about it. There's no effects there. It's just a it's just a holes in a in a curtain and it looks great. Yeah, it looks you get a little wind real. and you're you're good to go. Yeah, I, I read a, a quote from Sack that you're what you were doing photographically was sort of that it was David Fincher upstairs and Sam Raimi downstairs. Right. And you kind of feel that with like, when you come down, you have those really wide angle lenses. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, the Peter Jackson, Sam Raimi kind of motif of like wide lenses moving and up close and you get this really energetic thing that, you know, as a little kid, you know, raising Arizona, evil dead Two, you know, I was just so, so mesmerized by these, audacious wide angle lenses. And, um, I, I just always wanted to do something like that. So it's fun to be able to, to do that. That scene where Justin comes out in the can, the gun is, you know, that's man bites dog. I don't know if you know, like that. The, I bought man bites dog when I was 13 at a Suncoast video, just because the cover, I was like, whoever is going to make a shot where a gun looks that big in a, in a lens. I was like, that's gotta be a good movie. And, and so I was, I wanted, and I don't know if it is. I haven't seen it since I was like 14. That's a wretched movie. I should probably watch it again, but yeah. The production and the design in the movie is great as well. And I mean, those, all those dilapidated houses, I mean, that, that was all built, right? So we had 13 structures that we built on a field in Bulgaria. Um, so, yeah, we watched a lot of – there's a lot of wonderful uh, YouTube videos of people just driving through Detroit. And so we picked the houses from these videos that we wanted to kind of emulate. And um, Rossi Bekeva, our, our amazing – our director like pulled miracle after miracle after miracle, you know? So when I got, so, so we shot in Bulgaria, I had a line producer that was basically assigned to me by our, our initial financier and he hired the department heads. I didn't get to like pick my department heads. 
And it's like, that's so mortifying. You know, I have no idea. There's a major language barrier. I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to communicate with a lot of these people. And, and I tell you, I, I was just, I got so many blessings, so many lucky bounces on this movie uh, again and again and again. Um, I, so to have someone like Rossi, who's just so can do and like cares and like could make 13, the budget of this is four and a half million dollars. It's not much. Um, so I, I, I was, I, yeah, it's, I can't believe what she gave me anyway. Um, I was telling you, but I'll tell you. Uh, so, like, in between those houses across the street from our hero house, we built these facades against a, a low brick building that was like a laboratory. And I was mortified that you would, in between the houses, you could see a brick wall. You know, I was like, well, the movie's ruined. Like, everyone's going to know it's fake, and it's, I can't stand it. And I, we're going to have to CGI it with what? With what money? And then I got back, and we, we showed an audience, and, like, nobody noticed. Did anybody here notice the brick wall between the houses across the street? Raise your hand if you did. Okay. So it just goes to show you there's things you can, like, stress out about, like, so bad while you're shooting that no one will know. And then there's other things that you don't think – you know, matter at all. And then you get in the edit and you're like, Oh, that's a, that's a nightmare. And I've wasted everyone's time. I, I, I don't have any advice. It's just, you know, it's terrible. So for the flashback, when the houses were all pristine, was that right. sort of the same location or did you? Same location. We were very specific about what we would see in the flashback and everything we knew we would see. We re, you know, redid those surfaces and like, you know, the lawn is, is actually um, mostly in, in a digital because we just couldn't get the grass to look right. We tried spray painting the grass and it looked like terrible. And then we we're just, it was like another, you know, another panic attack. But uh, we, we, fixed, we fixed it in post. And that whole sequence was directly lifted from an 80, uh, 1983 Austrian film called Angst, which is uh, a, a very brutal movie. Um, but the visual motif of the wide angle kind of circling your protagonist is really ominous. Um, I love that handoff into the car when he's sort of... Yeah, that's with a movie. So you, if you use that, it's like a... It's a device where you can basically detach the lens from the camera and there's a fiber optic cable that connects it. So you really can like do anything with this lens. You know, you can... It's like a GoPro, but it just shoots in 9K at that point. So we were able to like put it through the window. And then our DP is running along beside the car, holding this like you know camera as as he drives away. But it was it was a fun, it was a fun little trick. Joe Murphy was the editor on this. Yeah, how, how was sort of the editing process? Because I know with with horror movies, like it's not scary to you. Did you like have to do a lot of screenings, or, like show it to friends, or like how? What, what was the process? Uh, no, we didn't do a lot of screenings. We um, we just cut, cut, cut together and watched it a ton of time i mean now i don't have any kind of magic and we just, just trust we, your instincts yeah, kind of thing. just trust your instincts and you know joe's amazing and there's things i thought were broken and he fixed them you know um get joe that's my advice <laughs> he's great <laughs> so uh, how are you like um yeah, Halo. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm like, well, did I write down anything interesting? Didn't. We really. can take questions for the audience. Either. Sure, you want to do that? Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you're done. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to ask you like, oh, ask what, me, what's oh, next and things like that. I don't know. And, like, I don't know. You don't have anything lined up? No. Yeah. All right. Well, wanted, let's try and take a couple of questions from the audience. What was your hardest oh, boy, day? Oh, I have to repeat things for the podcast. Um, the scene. Um, where she shoots the mother at the end, you know, that we had like from Justin getting picked up 
to, to Matthew, the, who plays the mother, getting shot in the face. All of that. All of that. We had about 40 minutes to shoot that. I mean, I'm not joking. Like maybe, maybe more, but like not much more. The sun was coming up. This was our last day. We were done. And it's like, you shoot it or you're fucked. And, and, um, and it's an effects thing. His head gets ripped apart. I had to improvise how that's going to go. I wasn't happy with it. I wanted to shoot it again. We had one take of that. I was like, well, we got to move. Uh, People were losing their temper. George never got upset with me, but she got upset with me that day because I'm usually very, like, um, very, very, like, attentive and, like, you know, I want to talk through everything and make sure everyone's comfortable. But on this day, I was like, we have 15 minutes to shoot all of this. I was like, lay down. I was like, lay down. Shoot. Roll. Roll it. And I was like, George, all right, look at it. I'm, like, talking her through. And she's like, she was like, I hate this. I hate, I was like, I hate it too. Like, this is terrible. Like, we got to go. And then the sun came up. Like, when she's walking away at the end and the sun is rising, like, that's not supposed to be in the day. You know, the, like, that. the sun came up. We were, it was terrible. It was an awful day. And, and I thought, I really thought, like, we, we didn't get it. Like, you know, Justin's death I was not happy with. Um, and, that, you know, you kind of convince yourself maybe it'll be okay. Like, was it supposed to look differently? Or like, cause, I mean, yeah, it I, wanted, I wanted, like, blood to come out of his head when that happened. And I, I wanted, uh, yes, it was supposed to look goddamn different. And, uh, but then, you know what, I think we did make it work. I mean, I, I, now I, I do, I have a lot of love for that, for that scene. And, and I think that death is okay. You know, I think sound design really helps. You know, it's, you forget that sound is actually so much more important than, than what's visual. Especially in our movie. Yeah. It's really true. The sound is more important. And so, you know, there's some cool gurgles and blood stuff and the bone crunch. And it's like, this. if you mute it, you'll have a different experience watching it. But when you listen to it, it's like, this is beastly. I'm okay. Yeah. Do I have a favorite shot that wasn't in the photo board? Oh, man. I, I, you know what, I, on the, on the drive home, I'll come up with, I'll, it'll, it'll dawn on me, but I, I, no, I mean, my favorite shots, I love the shot of Frank in the car where the, where the car, and then, and then we pace the woman. I love, there's an edit, my favorite edit in this, in this movie. I don't know, you didn't ask, but, but is, I, and I don't know why, but every time I see this edit, I'm just like, ah, oh, ah, oh. it's when AJ is like going down the stairs and he's doing this. And it's like we're, we're at the bottom of the stairs looking up at him. He's got the knife and the flashlight, and he's like, you know, doing that. And then it cuts to a profile shot of him, of his legs, and there's just something. It's like it's just it's the perfect edit. It's like it's just it's so seamless, and it it just I I don't think anyone else cares about that, but I am I'm just deeply in love with that cut. It's weird. Do you have that with your movies where it's like it's not even an exciting thing? Like there's way more exciting edits in this movie yeah, than that. And but like, I and you love can that. get hung up on little details as well. It's like you weird. just want to get right. Like yeah, yeah, we have a big CGI dragon. I don't care. That little thing yeah. needs to move like that. Like, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. No, I would never. No, no. I, I think that would have been very tasteless. And, you know, as much as I'm comfortable telling a story where the background is, is, is you know, is laid out over a place where women have been abducted and tortured, I, I'm, I don't want to shoot that. And I don't want to show that to people. And um, that was never I, – I always knew we would never see that stuff. For the podcast, the question was if 
you oh, shot. <laughs> did I ever shoot yeah. what was on the TV? Uh, with, you know, the women's abductions. I think, stuff. I mean, just seeing those titles made it just, just the descriptions. And there was one that said like puker. Puker. Like, I mean, I, I, I took a sick pleasure in writing all those tape labels. That was, I wrote all those. And that was like, definitely like a, on, at lunch, I like had all the labels on a thing. And I was just kind of going through and writing. And I think my favorite, I think there's like no teeth. I like that <laughs> yeah. one. Puker, Irish accent. Uh, what are some others? I don't know. It's like gas station redhead. Gra- well, gas like station that. redhead is the one that's in the yeah, in yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah, gross. <laughs> yeah. How did uh, I pick the three leads? Um, well, uh, George came first. I didn't know what I wanted. I I I I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know who had it. You know, I knew I was never going to get Zendaya. Uh, I knew I was never going to get, you know, so, uh, a big star. And, and this is not a knock towards George. So I, I knew I had to do some some real searching. I was probably going to need to find someone that I wasn't familiar with because I'm a first-time director. This is a low-budget horror movie. You know, you're not going to snag uh, some some big names. So uh, I did a lot of research, and I finally saw this black mirror that she was in, and I was just like, she has this quality that is just so like inviting and I feel like anybody can put themselves in her position and she's also a tremendously skilled actor. And I was just like, that's her. I got on a zoom and I just praised her to death. And, uh, which is like, if you're ever trying to get an actor, praise them. Truly. It's not an underhanded tactic. People respond to praise. You know, I, I, I have a habit and I think the best thing I know as a director is you must praise every actor after every take, no matter what. And it doesn't have to be a whole big spiel. It could be just like that. That's all they, but you, they, you have to check in with them after every take and approve, you know? Anyway, uh, that's not what you asked, but Bill's Bill. He's perfect, you know? And Roy is here and Roy made it and Roy had a, had a, you know, had his email and sent the script and he said, you should take this seriously. Uh, what, what else can I say? He opens the door. Everybody's already like, oh, he's bad. And that's what we need. Um, he's also, he's like attractive and repulsive. That's what we need. Uh, he's great. And then Justin is like, dude, he's, he's, I, I think I, I could gush forever about what a skilled actor. I think Justin is, I think he's, he's, he's so underused and, um, I would use him in every movie forever. I think we have time for one quick question. How did I come up with the the visualization of the mother and how long did it take? Uh, I, so I had a book as a child, uh, an illustrated book uh, of Beowulf, and there was an illustration in, the, in that book of Grendel's mother, and it just looked exactly like that. And so I took, I found that online, and I sent that to the the team. I was like, we're going to do this. It took about five hours, seven hours the first time. I think we got it down to three. Matthew, who played the mother, is like a Jim Carrey impersonator. He's like the sweetest guy in the world. He makes children's music. He is just like the greatest angel of a man, gentle, and he he was he was just the best. So, yeah, he's a goofball. Thank you so much, Zach. guys. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you, man, for for your time. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q and A. The director's cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 